0: chapter 23 of bob the castaway or the wreck of the eagle by frank v webster this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by nigel boydell chapter 23 a serious loss under a bright blue sky With the sun shining down, almost a little too warm for comfort, and with the sea very calm, the voyage that meant so much to all of them was begun. They looked back with a little regret at the small island they were leaving. There, at least, they knew they would be safe, but unless they desired to risk the chance of staying there many months, they must make this venture. Well, it was a fine little camp, murmured Bob with a tone of sorrow in his voice indeed it was declared mr tarbill i wish i was back there now perhaps we will be said captain spark gravely but there is no use discovering a leak in your boat until it's actually there which was his way of saying that it was bad luck to cross a bridge before you came to it now we've got to have some system about this voyage went on the commander "'We've got enough provisions and water to last us for the trip "'if we are careful of them. "'We'll not be able to have any banquets, "'and I depend upon every one, in which I include myself, "'to be sparing of the food and drink. "'There is no telling what may happen.' "'I have a very good appetite since taking this sea voyage,' murmured Mr. Turble. "'I can't bear to think of being hungry.' "'Well, perhaps there'll be no need of it. "'I only wanted to warn you. Now I propose to take command of this gig, "'for it is my property, "'and I'm going to be obeyed, "'just as if we were on the eagle.' Ay, aye, sir,' replied the sailors promptly. "'I'll do my best to bring the craft "'to the larger island as soon as possible. "'We'll have to depend somewhat on the wind, "'for we can't row all that distance in time "'to make our provisions last.' Fortunately, I have a reliable pocket compass, so I can lay our course fairly accurately. Now, Ned Scud and Tim Flynn, step the mast and the sail, and we'll see how our craft behaves under canvas. The two sailors soon had the sail hoisted, and under the influence of a stiff breeze, the gig shot rapidly ahead, the oars being shipped. They had two pairs now, one of the spare lot from the gig, and the other from the boat mr carr had commanded captain spark arranged his pocket compass on the stern seat near the tiller and sitting there he directed the course of the small boat as nearly as he could towards the large island he and mr carr were to divide the watches of the day and night there would be four of six hours each that is Captain Spark would be in charge of the boat for six hours, and then Mr. Carr would go on watch for the same length of time until it became the captain's turn again. In this way, each could get sufficient rest. The two sailors, Bob and Mr. Tarbill, were divided between the two heads of the watch. Bob and Timflin being chosen by the captain. The food had been carefully stowed away in the lockers. The captain's charts chronometer and sextant were put where he could easily get at them and as they had breakfasted before they set off on their voyage there was nothing to do for several hours but to make themselves as comfortable as possible in the boat had it not been for the worry over what might be the outcome and had not the dreadful memory of the shipwreck been in all their minds they might have enjoyed the sail as it was no one felt very jolly Mr. Tarbill was particularly miserable, and was continually finding fault. "'Oh, dear, it's dreadfully hot!' he exclaimed when they had been sailing for several hours and Bob's Island was out of sight. "'I'm afraid I shall be sunstruck.' "'Get in the shadow of the sail. Go forward,' advised Captain Spark. "'I'm afraid to move for fear I'll slip overboard as Bob did.' "'Well, if you do, we can see to fish you out. It's daylight now.' ''Oh, I'm miserable. I wish I had never come on this trip. I know I shall never live to see home again.'' ''I too wish you hadn't come,'' thought the captain, but he really felt sorry for the nervous man. Finally it grew so hot that Mr. Tarbill could stand it no longer. He decided he would make his way forward, where he could be in the shade of the sail. The others were very warm also, but they did not complain. Even Bob, who was not used to roughing it as were the sailors, stood it bravely, though the hot sun made his head ache. Mr. Tarbill, who was in the stern near Captain Spark, arose and started forward. As he did so, a wave, larger than any that the boat had previously encountered, careened the craft a bit. Oh, I'm going overboard, exclaimed Mr. Tarbill. He made a frantic clutch at the air, and really did almost go over the side, but it was due more to his own awkwardness than to anything else. Then he slipped down into the bottom of the gig. But as he did, his arm shot out and something bright and shining was knocked from the aft locker over the gunwale into the sea, where it fell with a little splash. "'Now you've done it!' cried the captain, standing up and making a vain grab. "'Done it? Done what?' asked Mr. Tarbill. You've knocked overboard the only compass we had. How we are going to find the island now is more than I can tell. This is a serious loss. End of chapter 23